Welcome to episode 260 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And it turns out that my inability to get into creepy, crazy sex dungeons is not not being invited, as I previously thought. It's my inability to solve puzzle boxes. What about Chinese finger traps? (laughs) What about... I I learned a long time ago, don't don't try to fuck a Chinese finger trap. I'm not surprised it fit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, oh. Womp womp. Did we do the uh, special Octobu uh, theme song last week? Yes. We no, we didn't. Yeah, we, we did. did. Oh, did you re-edit it back Yeah, in? I edited it back in. Nice. Uh, yeah. Something we really did fix in post. Yeah. I, every now and then, every blue moon, I do fix See, a post thing. Yeah, you shouldn't let us know you're capable of that because now we, we're going to expect it. Ah, shit. Right. We can fuck up more often as if that were even possible. <laughs> Aim for the stars, my son. Uh, if you like the stars, you're going to find the stars of podcasting on the Podcast Collective. Such starring as? in such shows as No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. I ran out of creepy sounding ones. And of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Is, okay, so we know that No Hope for Humanity shut down. Yeah, we, I think we might need to call this list quite a bit. Yeah. We talked about this last week. We got to, I mean, because, let's see, Dog and Deuce, when was 256 was their last episode, and it was when? October 11th. Hey! hey, hey. But so. no hope for humanity, that's that's on hiatus, right? No, that's dead. What's oh, dead, dead? Yeah, like, like, like I remember I said their last their last episode was um called Goodbye. Oh, that's right. What about Coffin Joe? Is he still <laughs> We're on. We've been on hiatus for six months, and I haven't... Hmm. Well, I know, but that, that's that's the one that you and him do, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that was, yeah, definitely been on a hiatus. What about the Sunshine and Happy Pants Hour? Oh, yeah, I've got a new episode ready to go for this week. What about uh, dating baggage? I think uh, Tales from the Hard Side is still up, and I know that, uh, uh, let's see, I Am Salt Lake is still up. Oop, well, Tales I might, from... I think, the, I think the, the point is we should probably update this list. Okay, Dating Baggage, I think, is gone. Their, their most recent show is called The Finale. <laughs> What what is your first hint that it might be done? I don't know. Hey, but guys, oh come on, you got past twelve. That was your thirteenth podcast. You, God, no, you. Maybe it was actually those. maybe it was actually the finally. Like they finally got to the that episode. Or maybe it was all in Italian. Maybe it was all in a dream. About, like the last test they have to take before they pass. Yeah. Like, it's time for finales. Shoe fly shoe. <laughs> we'll podcast your soul apart. <laughs> Shit. God damn so, yeah. it, that was funny. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that brings up the, the point of uh, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, like, we're talking about Hellraiser. Uh, we watched the original Hellraiser from 87 and uh, some god-awful thing from 2018. Spoilers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so our older stuff, 
all 200 other 259 episodes, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, FM, NoonFM.com, and Podcatcher. Chaser. Are you kidding me? No. Podmasher. It's Podchaser.com. Podchaser. Why do I always call it Podcatcher? <laughs> Every single time right. you think you're doing it the right way, it's it's hysterical. That's fantastic. Uh, 708 now wrap, 708-669-9727. If you want to get in touch with us, I don't believe we have any voicemails. Uh, if we do, we're not playing them this week. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to take a moment and give a shout out to our uh, one of our longtime listeners and one of our uh, loyal listeners. Uh, it's Karen's birthday today. Huh? As yes, well. it is. Yeah. Karen. So happy birthday, Karen. Happy birthday. Literally. We should all have it. We're, we're all toasting you right now. Ready? One, two, three. To Karen. Yay. Hey. Hold on. My toaster hasn't popped up yet. Joel will be pop tarting Karen. <laughs> oh, that's right. None of you guys made it to the summer barbecue where uh, Karen uh, attended. Oh. Nope. Don't have it matter. And I, I got to freak out her husband, Blake, who was used to me only existing as a disembodied voice instead of an actual person. Why didn't you stand behind him all night and never let him look at him? <laughs> yeah. I can only talk to you if you're talking from behind. There's all sorts of weird fetishes there. Sure. That's Pat's motto. Yeah. No, really. I, I need a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nobody's jumping the gun. I guess it is about that time. It is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. At Sports. Ooh, that was creepy. I thought you were going to say, we'll tear your sports apart. No, I didn't want to run that joke into the ground yet. Yeah, why would you start doing that? (laughs) That's one thing that Joel doesn't like to do, is run a joke into the ground. <laughs> I'm glad you heard that, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this week, February 3rd, 2018, the release of Hellraiser Judgment. Ah, we went forward. Yes. Why? Because Pat discovered the week that we were doing for the then, we had already done. Yeah, we had recently done it, like all the facts were already stuff that we had talked about like within the last two months. So. And I think yeah, you do this for five years, that happens. Yeah. Yep. I think we've already passed judgment. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I passed something earlier. It was poop. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't. Never mind. All right. Uh, music. The number one song of the land was God's Plan by Drake and his pizza throwing skills. Just an awful song. It's, I disagree. I kind of like it. Oh, I'm with Pat on this one. It. Just, I mean, it's just so disjointed. It's so. It's like he was rambling to himself in the car on the way to work. Yeah. Just, it sounds like a like a man going through dementia. You may not be wrong. No, that's not. Yeah, I was like, that's not Drake. That's Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kanye yeah. is just straight up losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> On February fourth, <laughs> Pink performed the Star Spangled Banner, and Justin Timberlake performed at halftime at Super Bowl Fifty Two. Thank you. At U.S. Bank Stadium in <laughs> Minneapolis. That At least he didn't say Lee. <laughs> I was like, I don't know Roman numerals that high. It's Super Bowl, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Miley performed. The Star Spangled, wait, Pink performed the Star Spangled Banner and Justin Timberlake performed. At halftime. At halftime. At That's halftime. just a weirdly worded sentence. No, it's not. It is. Because they didn't say what Justin Timberlake performed. What did he perform? He performed at halftime. There's a Pink performed the one song that is required at the beginning of the event. Oh, I Justin thought... Timberlake performed several different songs at halftime. Okay. I got your dick in a box. Um, and lastly... Vic... See how many Super Bowls he's watched. 
Uh, I, I, Lee many. <laughs> At least one when we did the Super Bowl show. Like, I've watched all Lee of them. <laughs> uh, finally, Vic Damone, born Vito Rocco Farinola on June 12th, 1928, was an American traditional pop and big band singer, actor, radio and television presenter, and entertainer. He is best known for his performances of songs such as the number one hit, You're Breaking My Heart, and On the Street Where You Live from My Fair Lady. And My Heart Cries for You, which are both top 10 hits. He died of complications from respiratory illness on February 11th at 89 and was absorbed by Drake. See, I would say that sentence was poorly written versus the other one, which was correctly written. There were two ands in that sentence. I did not see And on fucking and. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, uh, Vic Damone, is uh, famous in urban legends. He is the guy that supposedly had the mob connections and owed a bunch of money and was the guy that uh, was hung out the window upside down. Like that uh, that whole apocryphal legend is supposedly about him. Huh. Yep. Well, I suppose if you're Vito Rocco Farolina, whatever the hell his name is, that's... You probably at least know somebody in the mob at the, yeah. at the minimum. There, you at least have a cousin that can get a hold of stuff for some reason. <laughs> it fell off the truck. What do you want from me? This whole house fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> so that's where they got the scene from be cool then huh from yeah Britain. like that that whole like you know uh stereotypical whatever mafia tough guy thing of hanging people out the window supposedly this is the guy that actually happened to wait wow. did did pat actually get that reference he did this whole house fell out of the back of a truck oh he got the be cool uh, reference. yeah I'm, I'm sorry obscure movie reference from my part speaking of we'll move on to movies the number one movie in the land was Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which we talked about back in episode 233. A lot better than I was expecting it to be. That is the consensus. And it actually starred The Rock, not yeah. just our pretend movies that all star The Rock. Yeah, and there's a uh, sequel coming out next year. Nice. nice. Cake. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Aw. Okay. Movies, movies released this week included The Cloverfield Paradox. Scorched Earth, and the acronym of the week, TCF, also known as Testicles Coming, Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> is that a sequel to Gonna Get You, Sucker? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That that was uh, actually Kevin James is the cage fighter. Oh. Wait, jump uh, back. Kevin James, the cage yes. fighter? Yeah. 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 I always recognize uh, the movie so much easier when it's a then. Yeah, I, well, Cloverfield Par- Paradox, I, I saw that when it came out. I haven't seen it yet, because I heard it was bad. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, if you take all three films kind of as separate entities, it's enjoyable, but you kind well, of think of it. Joel, I love you like a brother, but you loved Batman versus Superman. I didn't love it. I enjoyed it. Well, Whoa, jump back. You enjoyed it? I can't get past the first 20 minutes. I've tried three times. <laughs> I just like the bits with Batman. The rest of it, I'm kind of... I I mean, once he starts in on that whole, like, you know, that really pretentious opening monologue, I could barely get through it. There are diamond absolutes. And I'm just like, oh, my God, shut up. Polly Wally doodle all day. But we'll see what happens. I'm not going to take us down this this rabbit hole any further. We'll see what happens, though. James Gunn just signed on um, officially to DC to do Suicide Squad. Two. So if he's at the helm, perhaps everybody's going to be jumping ship. Yeah, Batista wants in. Yeah, yeah, I heard all. It's all going to be um, like a prequel, so all of, they're all going to be under eighteen. Oh, too soon. What the hell is Batista going to do? Oh wait, I oh I didn't yeah. get that. Now I get it. Batista wants. Uh, they're talking to he'd play Bane. 
Interesting. Well, that seems like a good fit. So we'll see. On January 30th, at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards, Bruno Mars took home the most awards with six, including Album of the Year with 24 Karat Magic. Good for him. Yeah, that is a, a totally serviceable song <clears throat> that has been ground into dust and snorted. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we all have agreed on our Billboard shows that we enjoy Bruno Mars' music. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. So I don't refer to many of his, his hit bass guys come here. Yes. <laughs> TV and what have you done to me, Pat? <laughs> All right, so hang on, let me finish my drink here. <laughs> He's got to get lubricated. All right, the top shows in the land were Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, Stranger Things, Vikings, and Big Bang Theory. Wow, that's the first time we've had that lineup ever. Hmm. That is true. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, and uh, John Mahoney, British-born American actor. Of Frasier fame, among other movies and TV shows, died of throat cancer at 77 on February 4th. Mm. Very sad. He was a very nice man. He was a very nice man. I think all of us had met him at one point or another. Haven't we? Yep. I, yeah, I Pat has. I know we all yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. I had not. No, I, I did not have the pleasure. I think you two met him in Oak Park and I met him at E1 Reefs downtown. Yeah. Yep. And just I very... met Michael Jordan, so yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's a good trade-off. Yeah. So, deep breath. <laughs> yeah. Mickey Jones is an American musician and actor. His career as a drummer had him backing up acts such as Trini Lopez, Johnny Rivers, and Kenny Rogers, and the first edition, as well as Bob Dylan on his 1966 world tour. Jones had 17 gold records from his musical career over of over two decades. After the breakup of the first edition in 1976, Jones concentrated in his career as a character actor where he made many appearances on film and television, such as being part of the cast of Flow, the short-lived spin-off to the CBS sitcom Alice. His role as a crooked mechanic and sheriff in National Lampoon's Vacation and in the miniseries and weekly television series V, Jones had a cameo in Total Recall, playing a Martian miner on a train with Doug Quaid. He had a recurring role as Pete Bilker on Home Improvement. In 1996, he appeared in Sling Blade and Tin Cup. From 2011 to 2014, he had a recurring role in the television show Justified as a marijuana distributor who ran a small band of criminals. Jones died following a lengthy unspecified illness on February 7th. That sucks. That dude, anytime you saw him, you're like, I know that guy. Yeah, he's no always a biker. Yeah, he's got a long, straggly beard Big old pot belly, and it always looks real rough, but plays the real big teddy bear type of guy. Yeah, he was always a nice guy on all this. I'd never saw Justified or, um, but all the other like the TV shows and stuff. He always was even on Sling Blade, hanging out with uh, uh, Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam. He uh, was still a nice guy in that. I I read that entire thing expecting to talk about the monkeys at one point, and I was disappointed. <laughs> Dolans. I thought the same thing, Mike, oddly enough. Yeah, I, was like, me too. I saw Mickey and Drummer, and I got all excited. I'm like, oh, I don't know who this is halfway through. But I, I had no idea that that dude was, yeah, had, had such a prolific career in music. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So on January 3rd, 30th, <laughs> sorry, Mark Salling, American actor and musician most famous for Glee, committed suicide at 35 years old, mm, for yeah. realizing that he was most famous for Glee. <laughs> I, I want to say too soon, but yeah, it actually would be too soon. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I don't know. I don't know anything about him except he wasn't very gleeful. Mark, not anymore. 
Somebody, please start talking. Oh no! I want to keep. I want you to keep doing this. Yeah, twist in the wind for a little bit. <laughs> Here you go, Joel. He was his his name on Glee was Noah Puck Puckerman. Yep, I remember him. I watched the first two seasons of Glee. I've never seen an episode of Glee. It's all he was, right. He was a guy from the real world. Shoe flash shoe. He said Puck. Never mind. So Mickey Jones, yeah, hell of a guy. David Jones, Ricky Jones. What was his name? Keep twisting. <laughs> I was right the first. Moving on to sports. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> on February 4th at Super Bowl Lee, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the New England Patriots 41-33 for their first Super Bowl victory. Didn't Yay. Justin Timberlake play quarterback in that game? No, that was the one where Janet Jackson was the coach. Wardrobe malfunction. Shoe Can I have you tackled by the end of this song? <laughs> <laughs> That's a <laughs> Holy shit, that was good. Uh, it was worth it. Yes. And you know, she uh, she was the only one that got busted on that thing. She right. Got, yeah, she got like, was it? She got banned from ever doing anything there again. And Justin Timberlake, they were like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> we'll see you next year. He's a, he's a he's a white dude. It's all good. And it's Justin. Yeah. Timberlake. Moving on. Jody Jeremy Nunley spent three seasons in the National Football League as a defensive tackle. After his retirement, Nunley died suddenly of unknown causes at his home on February 5th at the age of 46. Yeah, he was absorbed. And lastly, Michael, stop that. Brazilian jockey Jorge Ricardo equaled the world record number of victories for a jockey, 12,844, in Rio de Janeiro on February 6th. What the fuck? 12? That is a lot. That is a that's a lot of races. I mean, yeah, just, I was wondering how often does a typical jockey race if he won that many? Wow, he's got to have like a leathery ass. <laughs> how long is a standard horse race? Like how many hours has Jorge been on a on a horse in life? All of them. <laughs> he's never left. I'm not getting anything around here. One okay, standard race time in 2014 was one minute and 50 seconds. So multiply that. Math on that. Yeah. It looks like Wait. most uh, uh, jockeys are racing five races a week minimum. Minimum? Yeah. And they're working seven days a week. Okay. That's 19,266 hours. Jesus. Then that's I mean, just I mean minutes. Winning. That's 321 hours. Well, that's just the winning races. There's not even like training or losing races. That's like 13 days of straight riding. Yeah, Wednesday to Sunday, and then training with the horses seven days a week. Holy crap. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I mean... The life of a jockey is not a fun life, apparently. Well, well he, of all uh, that, you get to be tiny. Think about yeah. how much he won, but then he wouldn't really get to enjoy any of the spoils of his victories because he was too busy worrying about the next race. You can't even like you know eat luxuriously because you can't eat, you can't gain weight. Right, they top out at 115 pounds. Wow. My right leg weighs 115 I think I, pounds. I, was, I think I was eight the last time I weighed 115 pounds. <laughs> no. Oh, I remember seventh grade. <laughs> it's like one and a half of me. Yeah, like I, I shit 115 pounds. <laughs> Today. Wow. All right, Joel. Take us out, keyboard, Joel. Minute, minute, minute. All right, so Hellraiser, the razor of the hell. What? I, I don't know. That's a subtitle. Hellraiser. It's a clean shave. <laughs> so, 
Clive Barker's feature... Oh, wait, how did, I, how did I write this? Clive Barker's feature directing debut graphically depicts the tale of a man and his wife who move into an old house and discover a hideous creature, the man's half-brother, who is also the woman's former lover, dun-dun-dun, hiding upstairs. Having lost his earthly body to a trio of S&M demons... <coughs> The Cenobites, he is brought back into existence by a drop of blood on the floor. He soon forces his former mistress to bring him his necessary human sacrifices to complete his body, but the Cenobites won't be happy about this. Uh, that was written by Ari Luis de Lazen Jr. on IMDb because the IMDb description was shit. That happens. Yeah. Apparently Ari's about 12 because... Well, there was more than one drop of blood. Yeah, and, and does anybody else get hungry when you hear Cenobites? I know, right? They sound delicious. Mm-hmm. Cenobites. I mean, it, it's lost its menacing capability. It sounds like a, like a honey cinnamon pastry. Uh, I think they're Cenobites, but Cenobites sound delicious. Is it Cenobites? Cenobites. Cenobites. I've always heard it Cenobites. I've heard it Cenobites. I always thought it was Cenobites. All right, well. I'm probably wrong. Some taglines on this, a demon to some, angels to others. Uh, it will tear your soul apart. There are no limits. Satan's done a Satan's done waiting. I don't recall that one at all. It's only in the South. Yeah. Shoe flesh you. <laughs> He'll tear, tear your soul apart. And we have such sights to show you. That may be my favorite line from the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, this is written, directed, and all sorts of stuff by Clive Barker. Clive Barker. If you do Clive not Barker. know who Clive Barker is, I feel sorry for you. Um, he is the uh, writer of Josh and I's one of our favorite movies, Nightbreed. He also wrote Candyman, uh, wrote Midnight Meat Train. Um, God. The Last Illusion, which was turned into a terrible movie. Oh, that's right. He's basically like the there's Stephen King and then kind of Clive Barker is somewhere yeah. number two ish. It's like Stephen King is Middle America East Coast, and Clive Barker is like Red Light District Big City Horror. Yeah. And And Dean Coach is Suburban America. Yes, he is. (laughs) Given the choice, I would go with Clive Barker every single time. What was that? Excuse me. (laughs) What the hell was that? Apparently Joel just opened the puzzle box. (laughs) I I thought somebody just got some Cinnabites. (laughs) (laughs) They were delicious. I did not know that he wrote Candyman. That's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Which is... The song by Roy Orbison? Yes, that's it. Roy Orbison's Candyman was written by Clive Barker 15 years before he was born. No, he he wrote for Willy Wonka. The Candyman can. Um, I love the, the Candyman. The original movie is is one of my, I won't say guilty pleasures, but it's probably in my top 100. Okay. To now, be fair. Is that the one about the Cabrini Green yeah. ghost yep. or whatever? With the bees? Yeah. I've never seen it, actually. Oh. I didn't know it, about it. It's pretty good. So the special effects, I toss this in there because that's one of the big things about this movie is the effects. Uh, Cliff Wallace, uh, who is known for such effects as in uh, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Good the, special effects, yep. yeah. Yeah. The, uh, 28 days later, he was in the makeup department, and he did a special effects for the Doom movie. Oh, you had me for the first two. Doom? Doom, yeah. the movie. With The Rock. Yeah. Uh, he's also been a sculptor, creature effects technician, on-set technician, and creature sculptor for Doctor Who. So, oh. okay. He went back up in my book again. Yeah. The Girl Who Died, The Robot of Sherwood, 
world enough in time. He's uh, been the creature things then. Hmm. So yeah, so he's got that going on. Uh, and then Dave Shaguri, uh, who is a little bit more um, in line with this one, he did the effects for this and Highlander, Labyrinth, and uh, Waxwork 2. Oh, the Bruce Campbell one. Yes, and Labyrinth. Nice. The codpiece yeah. one. Yes, he, he actually was entirely... I mean, he, this guy's actually got a... He, he stopped doing anything in 1999, um, but the last thing he did was The Mummy, and he's done uh, props for Saving Private, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, he was also a special effects technician on Fifth Element. Wow. Yeah. That's, there's some cool stuff going on there. Yeah. I mean, he. I mean, the effects team on this one was very big. I mean, up and coming. Uh, this is starring Andrew Robinson as Larry Cotton, Claire Higgins as Julia Cotton, Ashley Lawrence as Christy Cotton. <laughs> Jesus. Sean Chapman as Uncle Frank Cotton. <laughs> oh, Robert Hines as Steve. Doug Bradley as the lead Cenobite, according to the, this, but actually we all know him as Pinhead. Pinhead, yep. Uh, Nicholas Vance, or Nicholas Vince, as the Chattering Cenobite. Chatterbox. Yep. Simon Bamford as Butterball Cenobite. Of course, they call him by his proper name. Yep. And uh, Grace Kirby as Female Cenobite, who is also known as Deep Throat. I didn't and, even realize that was a woman. No. And then really? Oliver Smith, who played Skinless Frank the Monster. Dirty Frank, yeah, yeah. That's what I call my penis. Skinless Frank? The Monster. <laughs> uh, what a misnomer. Oh, you got to give him the full title. Skinless Frank the Monster? Yep. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so uh, trivia. During a post-production party when the filming had ended, Doug Bradley, Pinhead, was dismayed to be ignored by the other members of the crew. He thought they had gotten on rather well with the cast and crew, and it wasn't until later that he realized that no one knew who he actually looked like because nobody had seen him without his makeup while he was playing Pinhead and didn't know who he was. Huh. Which kind of makes sense because it took like six hours to get the Pinhead uh, outfit on him. And it is a big enough transition because if you see Doug Bradley and then you see the character, they're similar, but yeah, I can see that. It's like Doug Bradley would be like Pinhead's second cousin. <laughs> so uh, the film was originally called, supposed to be called The Hellbound Heart after the novella on which it was based, which if you ever get a chance to read it, read it. Uh, the studio decided the title sounded too much like a romance and asked Clive Barker to change it. So Clive Barker said, Sadomasochist from beyond the grave. <laughs> and the studio said, Stop suggesting things. <laughs> was rejected for its overtly sexual content. Eventually, Clive Barker opened the floor to the production team to offer up their own suggestions. And a 60-year-old female crew member piped up and said, What a woman will do for a good fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just keep getting better. What's I, interesting is, I, I'm surprised this wasn't in the trivia. The production crew are actually the ones who named Pinhead. Uh, because in the book, he's just referred to as the Hell Priest. And Clive Barker hates the name Pinhead for the character, but it's stuck. Mm-hmm. And it's the crew that named him. Well, I and, mean, it's it's he's a classic uh, horror. I mean, I think he's up there with uh, Jason and Freddy now. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. You didn't Whenever. want to be named Pinhead. You should have come up with a different name. Yeah. Well, Whenever and you don't I think generic names. Like, I think in the uh, third one, another character refers to him as Pinhead, and he takes great offense. Ooh. Well, there's ten freaking movies. 
So and they There's and they, to be offended by. Yeah, and they range range between that was good to what the hell. Um but to to uh agree to your point, if you whenever they show like posters of all the classic horror movie monsters, old or new, Pinhead always ends up in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So iconic uh, he really is. Yeah, I mean he's I mean the whole look of that like Yeah, it's such a great horror look. He would be a great D and D villain. The Hell Priest? Yeah. That would sound good for D and D that would sound awesome. I mean come yeah. on, Pat, can you imagine running a game and then having like at the end of it they walk into a room and Pinhead is standing there? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kinda almost tried that with Josh's group. They met a demon. And he was only scarier than half the party. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> All right. So many viewers have commented about the poor quality of the FX at the end of the movie. Clive Barker has explained that due to a very limited budget, there was no money left to have the uh, special effects done professionally after the primary filming. Instead, Barker and a Greek guy, and these are in quotes, animated these scenes by hand over a single weekend. Barker has also commented that he thinks the FX turned out very well, considering the amount of alcohol the two consumed <laughs> that weekend. Uh, that's funny. I think Clive Barker sounds like a guy I'd like to hang out with. I think that'd be fun for about the first hour. <laughs> and he'd start getting really... You think he's a depressing drunk? No, I mean, just be like thinking of all the... Cre- I'm just thinking of all the creepy shit he comes up with. That's got to come from somewhere. Mm, that's true. He likes potted plants, from what I hear. I mean, ugh. <laughs> oh, I got that. Mmm, callback. Nice. Claire Higgins hates horror movies. When she saw this movie for the first time at the premiere, she had to leave after ten minutes because it freaked her out so much. She has never seen the entire movie. Huh. So, hey, there's this great movie in that you were in that they made ten other movies about. <laughs> I've never seen it. So, uh, so when Clive Barker first showed the film to his mother. Why would you do that? I don't know. I think this is the trivia that makes me want to. I want to hang out with Clive Barker because I'm like, hey, Ma, come here, watch this. Yeah. Is that, that's something you would totally do to your mother. Yes, it was. So uh, she cried tears of joy upon seeing her son's name in the opening credits. He leaned over and whispered to her that this would be the happiest she would be for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and how true that is. Oh, this movie. Uh, I mean, I, basically, we're doing this uh, partially at my insistence because this was one of the big horror films of my high school experience. Like, I had my best friend. This was his favorite horror film, and it, I didn't watch too many. This has got to be in probably in the first five horror films I ever saw. Hmm. Really? So yeah, this was like a formative horror film for me. This was in my in my cadre of horror films for my high school years but it was like this nightmare on elm street and lost boys that was like that's, yeah the, that's a pretty good threesome i'd, I'd say i that was pretty pretty close for me too yeah and you can toss nightbreed in there too because Maybe I, the shining see i never got into the shining oh. i had the shining you had nightbreed yeah uh this one i saw once and i don't even remember when um this is i think the third time i've seen it and for whatever reason, I've just never been able to connect with it. Really? I don't know. Yeah. Something about it. Just, I don't know if it's the, the S and M angle or, uh, the characters or the story or what, but I, 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 this time I, I tried to look at it with different eyes and I, 
I don't know. Just something about it just doesn't whose settle eye, right with me. Whose eyes did you use? <laughs> well, I have some in a jar in the kitchen. I just grabbed a couple. I'm not sure who they belong to. Juliana, go get me the movie eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what I find fascinating about the Hellraiser series in general is that the famous monsters, the Cenobites or Cenobites, uh, they're almost incidental to the main plot lines. They're very rarely the primary antagonists. I'm not going to say never, but in all of the best Hellraiser films, they are just kind of this force that sits almost outside the movie. They're important to the plot, but the movie's not really about them. And that's especially true with the first one. Oh, They're almost com- like a living embodiment of karma. It it really is. I agree with you, Josh. It's like this in the in the best of these movies, Pinhead is not the main character. Pinhead should never be the main character. He's always the guy that you see just out of the you know, like that that corner of you, uh, your eye where you just kind of see stuff every now and then. He's yeah, just I mean, in he's, your peripheral vision. And he's undoubtedly important, but the real villain, the real monster for this film is Uncle Frank. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, Mrs. Cotton, I can't think of her first name all of a sudden. Not Kirsten. Julia. Julia yeah. Cotton, yeah. She's, she's uh, you know, pretty close to being on par with him, or gets there by the end of the film anyway. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's more about the human monsters being shuffled off by former humans that are now kind of... Well, do we even know that? Well, actually, yeah, we do. We do yeah. know that... Uh, some of them. Be, some of them used to be, used to be human. human, yeah. Yeah, the... Uh, I believe the Chatterer was uh, abducted as a young German boy, and Pinhead was also uh, confirmed to be previously human. Yeah. Well, they've covered that in the movies, too. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they're kind of the gateway, the gatekeepers to taking them to an eternity of torture. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, is they are this embodiment of what happens when deviance goes too far. If you go far enough, you reach past the limits and these things are waiting that uh, exist on suffering and pain and pleasure and where those lines blur. And when people seek them out, they oblige them. And uh, I think most of the people who find what they thought they were looking for don't get find that it wasn't really what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I like their explanation that they're voyagers like he, he, I forget with how the line completely goes when they ask who they are. It's like we're not demons, we're voyagers looking yeah, for some call us demons. Yeah, yeah demons yeah. to some, angels to others. Yeah. yeah, travelers in something of experience. But yeah, the um, Pinhead in, like you said, in this one, he is so much as the, like you can almost see him externally viewing all this going on. Just, well, and his portrayal, especially by this first actor, uh, Doug Jones. Doug, or Doug Bradley. Bradley, Doug Bradley. Um, he is got this combination of like clinical, almost like a surgeon, but uh, he also takes in some of the things that his visuals were inspired by. His visuals were inspired by, of course, S and M, and then you've got the whole Catholic Church angle, uh, which was very important to the design of the creatures. Mm-hmm. Which uh, they like to throw in biblical quotes which i didn't realize that uh that was going to be a catchphrase because he said jesus well did he say jesus wept or yeah, did, did was it frank no it was frank that he did. Oh, jesus frank did wept. yeah 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 not pinhead I, I didn't realize that he because then, then they used that again in the new one but which was odd but yeah there's there's a lot of heavy religious overtones mixed in with the the sex and the blood and the everything well i mean yeah because he has that kind of like 
priest like high priest look to himself like you said josh he was he was that was his comment or was his uh descriptor in the books um the, the what i like about him as a character as as a i don't even say as a villain because he's not really i don't know if you can really consider him a villain because he's just giving people what they want well i mean he's definitely monstrous and they definitely go for kirsty at the end which is something that doesn't put him on the side of someone you're rooting for but mm-hmm. i mean they're almost this like neutral force of evil where it's like these are the rules if you seek us out if you solve the lament configuration we come and we don't go back without a soul yeah they're like neutral evil you're right but yeah i mean say we showed up you called us and okay and another thing about the box if i had never seen these movies that box would be sitting on my shelf for years because the uh, if from what it apparently it seems that everybody just touches this thing and it automatically opens for them. Well, and yeah, and that's one of the big differences between the short stories and the uh, the book is the Lament configuration was designed by a French uh, toy maker, and the puzzle boxes almost tempt you into going further in the books where every time you solve a piece of it, there's this music that plays and you don't know from where, but you get this positive feedback loop, Mm. the further you get in solving the box. So you want to go further. And there's kind of this metaphor of once you've gone too far, okay, now it's too late. Now it's open. Right. See, and that would have been interesting to see that play out in the film like to to take the time kind of building up to where we ended up at the end um well i think it kind of did with the with the soundtrack and like when she was sitting in the hospital room which was kind of a weird scene but she i mean she didn't she kept playing with the box and the sound it seems like the same soundtrack was playing when people started handling the thing and then the walls open up and the evil penis shrimp thing comes out and tries to kill you the wait, what is it called the engineer that's the engineer that's the engineer. The, he is the non-human-looking uh, Cenobite of uh, the ones from the first couple of movies. Okay. I did not know that was... I mean, I knew the engineer was in there, but I had no idea that that's what that thing was Was him. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably more into the lore of the world than I am into any particular movie on its own. Like, I, I love certain things about this. I love the opening like uh, Frank first getting the box. Mm-hmm. There are individual scenes where I was just like, this is rock solid. And But I think the world that they create up to a point until you get to so many sequels where they're starting to demystify the creatures. They start introducing midichlorians and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they get into... Uh, it was still kind of interesting when it's revealed that the dark power that the Cenobites serve is called Leviathan. And uh, a, there's a big plot point where the destruction of Leviathan and Pinhead having to assume total control over what they're doing. I think that was in 3. But you don't need to get too much into demon bureaucracy, though. And yes, <laughs> that is one thing that ends up happening because they're like, well, where can we go with this? We've got this interesting world. Let's push further. And they push so far that, yeah, they, they take some of the alien mysticism, the mystery away from the Cenobites and it lessens them. Suddenly chatter, chatterbox is over there bitching to Pinhead about, you know, how his hours didn't get reported right. <laughs> he's, he's reporting an hour. Torture, you know. 40 hours a week to not get my overtime. He's reporting an OSHA violation. 
But, you know, the, the, Look at all this blood. It's so slippery. <laughs> where's the wet? Pay me back for my non-slip shoes. Where's the wet floor, Zine? Um, uh, there's... <laughs> Shut up, Chatterbox. There's uh, something I was talking about this with um, Jeff from the Creeper cast when I was watching last night, and I hadn't picked up on this because I haven't seen enough of them. I've seen five out of the ten. Um, he was saying that they they tend to focus on certain modern things to kind of carry the films forward. So every progressive film, they're focusing on some angle of society that creates the desire to you know seek out Pinhead. Um, like there's one that deals with the the cyberspace and the internet. I don't know what space has to do with anything, but um, I thought no, that was kind of interesting. Is that the one where it's like an MMO? Uh, it was one uh, of the dumbest ones. Bloodline was the name of that one. Hellraiser Bloodline. I haven't seen that one actually, but yeah, I think that is the one where it's like a the hell dimension is a, basically World of Warcraft. Wait, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's think. not. I yeah, I don't. I I stopped. Well, I mean, I. I I saw the first three. I saw the third one in the theater, actually. But when they had the CD shooting Cenobite, I kind of was like, okay, what's oh, He wasn't even the stupidest creature in the third one. I thought Camerahead was dumber. Camerahead? Yeah. Like literally a Camerahead? Yep. Basically, the dude looks like Lemmy, only someone put a video camera into his head, replacing one eye. That was it? Yep. Uh, he, he was the dumbest creature in Hellraiser 3, which otherwise had some interesting ideas. It's a demon? It's yeah, right. so, basically, so, basically, yeah, but, so basically, he's like a worse version of the villain from Last Action Hero. Well, And then, like I said, Pat, there's one that shoots CDs out of his mouth. Holy shit. What? Actual, like, CDs, like compact discs. Wait, 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 wait. Jump back. I'm, I'm typing this shit in. Okay. Hellraiser 4 Bloodline starring Adam Scott. What? I fuck you not. The Adam Scott? The Adam Scott. I typed it in, and I look, was looking at images, and I'm like, holy crap, that looks like Adam Scott. No, it is Adam Scott. I didn't no. know that. Paul Rudd was in uh, Halloween Rudd. 4. Oh, no, that was uh, Jennifer Aniston. Was in Jennifer Aniston. Aniston was in the original Leprechaun. Yeah. So, they got to get to start somewhere. Yeah, hang on. Oh, here. <laughs> we lost we lost Mike. Yeah, oh, I went down a rabbit hole, man. I went, okay, I just posted to the chat, I'm, and everybody, I'm going to write a note to myself to post Adam Scott picture. I think we just lost Mike down the Cenobite rabbit hole. <laughs> He's yep. got ten, nine more movies to get through. Oh, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I um, Mike's on some deviant art website for Cenobites. Yeah, don't go too deviant. You'll end up in Hellraiser Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in the slickening. You've got the chains, and you've got the uh, all the leather and the blood. I I'll, I think one of the more enduring images is that creepy ass post with the bent nails and all the body parts. Oh, the post with the penis hanging off it. The spinny post. Yeah, yep. that's kind of spinny post up. of bloody death. <laughs> like this post <laughs> for no reason. Um, I, I I well, my thoughts on it after because it's probably I've seen it once every decade. I'd say to be safe. And I, I, tr- I, when I watched it this time, I was looking at it from a bit more of a critical aspect than just kind of putting it on to enjoy it. And I think part of what maybe threw me off a little bit that I didn't realize was that I didn't realize Clive Barker had directed it. I knew he wrote it, the story and the screenplay, but I didn't know he directed it. And it feels a little clunky at times, and maybe that's partially because of the direction. I don't know. Well, but- I, part of the reason he took over this one is because the, the movie before this was Nightbreed. 
which I loved the Nightbreed film. Oh, I did too. But I think it was one of those things where his vision usurped the what people were able to accept. Does that make sense? Yeah, I follow like, you. Yeah, so it was like what people were able to absorb, and then he tried it again with it wasn't directed. Well, Nightbreed wasn't directed by him, so then he said, "All right, well, I'll take over, and I'm going to do this." And then we got Hellraiser, which I mean, if you are familiar with. Clive Barker's method of writing and his worlds and all that, it makes sense. But if you you can't like grab my in-laws and say, hey, watch this movie. And well, I mean, I would, God, I would never do that. That would be terrible. Um, there'd be a lot of crying. Um, <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. You're going to break Matthew again. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if you have any sort of knowledge about who Clive Barker is, all these movies make kind of some sense. Well, but, and the, oh, oh sorry. Oh, he just gonna, like oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that the 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 premise itself is is fascinating, and I, if it was done a little differently, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more because the whole concept is is kind of cool. You're but bringing I, him into sacrifice to your man to bring him back from life. Yeah, and the fact that the, that the real monster isn't the the you know the the isn't villain. The the, yeah. Right. It's it's humans, and I've always found that whole concept. But we didn't we didn't need the husband character at all. Really? to be a skin suit yeah and that's the thing is that that leads you to the climax of the film because like her betraying her husband with his half brother is part of her deviance and clive barker just loves telling stories about people who are lost and broken by choice like maybe their circumstances put them in a bad spot but uh the decision to go too far and I'm not just talking about the Hellraiser series, just in general, his work. This is one thing that's repeated through his characters that become these twisted abominations. They uh, decide to go too far. And once they do, they find something that's even worse than they are that twists them in response. And I don't know. I, I Like I said, I think I like the world and the idea of Hellraiser more than I like the Hellraiser films themselves, although I do enjoy this film. Well, and if you ever get a chance to see Midnight Meat Train, it's uh, it's decent. Vinnie Jones plays the main character, but uh, hmm. it's 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 a good watch. It's not anything I ever need to see again, but yeah, it's on my list. But it's decent. Night Train, Midnight, Midnight. Meat Train. Yeah, but what do you, I, what are your thoughts, Pat? I mean, I I know you're not out of the the three or four of us. I, you're probably the least horror minded in my opinion, but. Yeah, but I do like a good horror movie. And like I said, this is one of the movies I remember from like, you know, high school. Um, when did this come out again? 87, did you say? Yeah, so I was in high school. You know, and, and I, I remember seeing, I saw it in the theater. Really? I saw it on cable. Yeah. Um, saw it on, I saw it on cable. Saw it, You know, and I've seen this movie. This is probably like the sixth time I've seen it. As a matter of fact, I just watched it for, you know, for the first time in a long time, probably about three months ago. <laughs> That's weird. Right? I just, you know saw it and I was like, Oh yeah, I hadn't seen that in a while. Let's watch it again and see if it holds up. And I mean, I, it really, it really doesn't. It's not quite as, um, scary anymore as it was. It was more like a, like a, like a tense thriller when I was younger and it felt more creepy. Now it just kind of feels more dated and, and, uh, and slow. And it just seems like there's a lot of, um, misdirection or, or lack, lack of direction rather in a lot of things. And a lot of other things that could have been explored much more. So it, it seems like it delved too much into some things and not enough into others. Yeah, I can like, see yeah. that. Like it, I mean, we didn't even really need the daughter at all. And it, you know, you could have cut her out, and not much would have changed. You could have just easily, you know, 
thrown in a neighbor or something to be the one to see the you know yeah she she wasn't really an unnecessary character i mean it's not like she had any sort of i mean uh, frank was already creepy enough without hitting on his knees she didn't necessarily <laughs> but she needed her for the sequel <laughs> well and yeah she's the only sort of protagonist that has anything likable about her really so she's the only true innocent yeah if you're going to care about any character in the movie like if you remove her there's no one to care about right right that's a good point so have we uh puzzled this about, box that, enough that being said, though, I, I do i loved the um the style of the cenobites i loved the like uh the the iconic you know the, the chains the room and everything but Looking at it now as an adult, I, it feels like they, they just, it almost feels like whoever, you know, that Clive was just kind of throwing Bible verses, but not really understanding them. Like, like the whole Jesus wept thing. It's just, I mean, it just seems like almost like a line thrown in just for shock value when it really doesn't even, it's not even like, like correct in a blasphemous kind of way. It doesn't, it's not like he's mocking Jesus. Like, like, like if, if he said like, you know, something like, you know, forgive them. They know not what they do. That would be more blasphemous than you know, just a simple Jesus wept. So as an adult, like knowing more, a little bit more about, you know, biblical, <laughs> biblical verses and stuff, it seems more clunky the way they use the, the verses in this. Series. Yeah. It's, it's a very seventh grade. usage. <laughs> I mean, that's the best. Yeah, way to put I mean, it. it sounds cool. I yeah. mean, that's honestly the reason it's there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know my feeling on things that are done just to be or sound cool or look cool or whatever. Yeah, you you're know. afraid of people that are, seem cooler than you. Oh, oh no, I'm not of that at all because that's everybody. I mean, I am fully aware of my place in the cool spectrum. <laughs> Before we move on, there is one other thing I wanted to, to bring up here. Um, the, the creature design. Yeah, now, I not, definitely wanted to talk about just the effects in general. Now, not the the engineer per se and not the, the spinny penis board but the actual Cenobites themselves are each one of them is iconic in their own way. Maybe they're not pinhead level, mm-hmm. but as a whole, when, whenever you see um, them together or even separate, they all have their own characteristics that make them kind of iconic each individually. And that was a good job of, of character design. Yeah. Sure. I mean, they're, they're definitely, I mean, you know, there's a different story behind all of them. Yes. You know, if it was like a whole, you know, six guys show up and they all have pins in the, you know, the pins in the face type thing, you know, they'd be like, all right, apparently this is what happens when you go on the wall. But I mean, like <laughs> the one that has her throat all opened up or the, you know, the guy with no lips, a chatterer one, you know, you know that there is a different story behind every single one of them. And they express that just from their sheer design. Like, yeah. does he wake up every morning and put those hooks in his mouth? Maybe. Maybe. On the back of his head, like, does he get time off from the from the hooks in the fishing line? Shit? I don't think he sleeps, dude. Well, we just talked about. It. I mean, I suppose if he's I mean, concerned does, about does he working his forty hours, and I'm sure does he's he, does he go home at the end of the day and just you know take the hooks out of his mouth and be like, oh, what a day at work. I think the hooks are necessary to keep a smile on his face after a long shift. <laughs> Jesus. All right. On that note, we're taking a break. <laughs> like, he takes him out. He's got flappy lips and he can't even control. He's like, oh, let me just poop. <laughs> All right, so when we get back, oh, we're going to talk about 2018's uh, most latest Hellraiser movie, Hell- Hellraiser Judgment. We jujin things. What does a demon do like on his time off? I don't know. Demon stuff. All right, we are back. So is that our new rallying cry? Five, four, yeah. three, two, one, or we're back. No, let's masturbate on maggots. <sighs> okay. Please no. 
No, let's come on. That'll be a fly on the wall. There was a reason that wasn't in the main show. Oh. <laughs> Picture them post. No, now we're on a list. We'll edit your soul apart. <laughs> how I feel every Saturday. Uh, so yeah, um, they made another one of these. In fact, they made ten more of these. Yep. Well, I mean, three were theatrical releases, and then they realized, you know what? If we go straight to video and slash the crap out of the budget, we can just keep making money on these forever. Right. It's it's really out of all of the big horror franchises, it's the only one that has made it this far without, well, a reboot yet. Because um, Friday the 13th stopped at 10 before it did uh, Freddy vs. Jason, and then it rebooted. Chucky was going until 7, but now they're rebooting it. So, yeah, it's and it, this one seems to still be going without a reboot in, in the works. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, and they made a lot of pretty bad movies. Uh, Puppet Master maybe might be in that same category, actually. But anyway, I digress. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> so this is <laughs> Hellraiser Judgment. Hellraiser Judgment. Um, it's more Hellraiser. I, I okay. So this is directed by Gary J. Tunicliffe. 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 Yeah. Uh, who Not is, like some cliff, a ton of cliff. Right. Who is known for being in the makeup department in Feast. Oh, such a great movie. The makeup department in X-Men's Origin. It's a Scottish version of that. Um, he was also the makeup department in Gone Girl and Pulse. He does a lot of makeup effects. Um, he has not directed a hell of a lot, but... Before this, before doing Hellraiser Judgment, he directed a Chicken Run short. Huh. You know, like the Wallace and Gromit type kids thing? You know, similar. Yeah, and then he before that he did Jack and the Beanstalk with Chloe Grace Moritz in it. Huh. <laughs> you know, similar. Yeah, and then before that he did Hansel and Gretel with you know. uh, Lynn Redgrave, Jacob Smith. You know, he, he did, like, kids' movies before this. So, at one point or another, something snapped. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's only directed six movies. And uh, what's Within the Rock? He did Within the Rock, a TV movie. <laughs> it's about Dwayne Johnson's colonoscopy. I don't even... <laughs> nice. <laughs> you see what The Rock has eaten? Um... <laughs> John Cena's in the background. You can't see me. So the visual effects, seeing that the director was a effects guy, uh, the visual effects were done by Fernando Torres Idrovio, who has done effects for Silence, um, Muse, no, uh, yeah, Singularity, Ascension. He's got a bunch of editing and effects type stuff. Uh, Lots, I mean, all over the place type of thing. Visual effects, he's done Maximum Impact and a bunch of other straight-to-video movies. In fact, after Hellraiser Judgment, which just came out this year, he's already done four other movies. So good on him for keep working. Yeah, kind of a grindhouse-style filmmaker still doing it the way they used to. Right, right. So uh, Hellraiser has uh, Damon Carney. I'm going to tell you guys right now, you're probably not going to know these names. Uh, uh, except for one big one. I, I know one other one besides the big one that I'll point out. Okay. When we get there. Damon Carney is Sean Carter. Uh, Randy Wayne is David Carter. Uh, Ran- Alec- 
Was that uh, Randy? Randy Wayne. Uh, I did a uh, a review of a movie of his called Death Pool um, last year, oh. and he, he where he plays a, a serial killer that is turned on by killing people in pools, swimming pools. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> I regret watching it, and he was not good in it. So I, when I saw him pop up in this, I'm like, that's a big red flag. Huh. And for you to say that, that's got to be shit. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't see Death Pool. What was that? What was that old commercial with a name like Smuckers? <laughs> it has to be bad. When Joel doesn't like it, it's gotta be shit. Uh, Alexandra Harris is Christine Egerton. Yeah, I, she's a pretty new actress, but you know, I, I think we may see some things from her in the future. She wasn't terrible. She had a little bit of a um, uh, what's it, Anna Kendrick vibe. A little bit, I could see that. Yeah, a little more edge to her, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Heather Langenkamp. Now, th- she's going to be the big name. I mean, we're yeah. talking Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 3. Yeah, she's the big and cameo seven. of this one. So if you don't remember her, she's from Just the Ten of Us. Yep. And, she, uh, <laughs> no, and she, the Outsiders and Rumblefish. She was the budget, basically. Even though she was only on screen for about 30 seconds, she was the budget. Yeah, she, if you don't remember, she's Nancy Thompson from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Seems kind of like a waste of the budget. Well, it's not like hey. the rest of the money was going anywhere good. What Heather Langenkamp with this? I'm uh, not dissing, but I mean, for a, for a 30 second cameo, see, spend yeah. half your budget, not very wise. I was hoping for more, but I'm like, her in a Hellraiser movie doesn't make sense because even though she's kind of known as being a, a a horror icon because of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, one, three, and seven, she's still she's a good girl, kind of. I guess she doesn't do like this kind of horror yeah. so yeah i was a little worried so uh paul t taylor is pinhead uh he took over as this one um yeah, he's the third pinhead as uh, joel and i were talking about in the break and uh considering how bad the second pinhead was uh i think that they've made a major upgrade at least in terms of the guy getting the visuals and he's maybe not as good as the first but we're, we're taking a big step in the right direction yeah it was the, i mean the first pinhead he he grabbed it. He he really did a great job with it. I mean, he was well, like the, presumptuously better than everybody that was in the room. According to what I did, because I did a little reading on this, according to Tunnicliffe and the producers of the film, their goal was to bring Pinhead back to form because he'd gotten too far off with one-liners and being cheesy and, you know, almost... Freddy Krueger. Exactly. That's so they're it. like, we want to make him dark again. want to make him... A bad guy. Well, that's. Um, I think. I think you're right with that, Pat. With it seemed like with the second Pinhead, they saw the success of like the Freddy Krueger type murderers and like Scream, and were like, oh, you know, Pinhead. Yeah, Pinhead has to quip wise every now and then. No, Pinhead is better than that. Pinhead has that, seen horrors and pleasures beyond your belief and knowledge. Then he's better than everything else in the room. That's right. the way Pinhead, Pinhead should doesn't be. enjoy puns. He enjoys you know torture. Right. And I thought that this this guy did a really good job of being a an analog for Doug Bradley. Honestly, he looked a lot like him back in the day, and he played it with a good kind of sinister uh, arrogance. Yeah, like he he enjoyed it, but he at the same time didn't. Right. <clears throat> uh, so Gary J. Tunnicliffe, which believe it or not, is the director as the <laughs> auditor. Neat character. I, I liked his character design. I thought he was well played. I liked him the most out of this entire movie. I thought he, I thought he was really, he was he, interesting. He was a great, I don't want to say foil, 
what word am I thinking of, Josh? Well, I, I mean, it, when you've got the inscrutable, almost statue-like pinhead, and this guy is very clearly a clerk. Mm-hmm. It was like, almost. Oh, good. Yeah, he's he's even got a bit of a charisma to him. I I enjoyed this character. I yeah, I liked every every scene of this movie that I enjoyed. All had the auditor in it. In my mind, the auditor was kind of like good cop, bad cop, but in one. Yeah. Because he was he was basically baiting whoever came to the house to be, you know, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to do that. You know, all you got to do is talk to me. And he's kind of like Josh, you know, he's charismatic. He's kind of got them on his side. And then he's like, yeah, no, right. <laughs> you're going to suffer just like everybody. So uh, Jeff Fenter as Carl Watkins, Tony Payne as the vagrant. Reagan Wallace as Allison Carter, Helena Grace Donald as Jafael, Grace Monty as Crystal Lanning, and John Walpole as Hodges. Uh, the guy Tony Payne's version of the Vagrant at least was recognizable as that's supposed to be the same guy, even though he doesn't much look like him. I mean, the Vagrant is in the first two films. He's the guy who's eating the uh, crickets, and he's the guy who turns into a big skeleton demon oh, and flies that's off. Right. With- yeah, that's the same character. Okay. And you see him for a moment in this. In the pet store. No, no, no. The pet store was the first one. Where did That you was see the it? first one. Yeah, where did you... I, I missed him. Uh, he was definitely there, because I recognized him. I was like, holy crap, that was the vagrant. Okay. I, I think it might have been uh, when uh, uh, Sean Carter was wandering uh, after he'd escaped. Oh, Okay. You know, he's kind of wandering on the streets drunk after he had the sex dream with his wife that turned into Cenobites. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, th- I believe he bumps into the vagrant on the streets before he uh, make before he like wakes up. And yeah, that might have been when I burned my hand while I was watching this. So, but uh, some trivia: when Doug Bradley, the original Pinhead, was asked in an interview what his advice would be to Paul T. Taylor, who plays Pinhead in Hellraiser: Judgment. He sarcastically answered, according to Gary, Mr. Taylor has a screen presence of a Peter Cushing and Ralph Fiennes, so he won't need any help from me, will he? Woof. He's a little bitter, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't asked to be in the last few films, and he's a little pissed off about it. Yeah. He, he wasn't retired by choice from the role. Mm. So uh, the producers, at Ton of Cliff's request, contacted Damon, Sean Cutter's Carney's wife, and secretly obtained stories and intense moments from his past that were then, without his prior knowledge, used during the scene when he is audited. At the end and lengthy and harrowing scene, uh, Carney yells out, What the fuck just happened? I was freaked out because the auditor was actually questioning him on things that happened in his real life. Instead of what whatever was in the script. That's yeah. pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It's clever. I like that. I like that. Uh, the makeup for the auditor was originally a concept pitch for a reimagined pinhead. Uh, the cosmetics were shown to the studio when Hellraiser was originally adopting a uh, full reboot. When a direct sequel was decided instead, the makeup team kept the designs and recycled them into the auditor. Yeah, that was a, there was a special on that. It was like redesigning, uh, what was it called? It was uh, a Project Angel redesigning an icon. Okay. See, I... I I mean, that would be like removing Jason's mask, which oh, happens which in every did. movie. Yeah. I just, I just don't think or changing Freddy's claws or something. I mean, the pinhead is such a iconic character that you, I don't think you can mess with it. Well, they have images of the, the redesign that they did for that show that I had seen also when I was researching a little bit. And 
it's kind of cool, but it, it seems a little bit more like pre where he ended up. Like it was early on before he became the pinhead he is now, like in his progression. And I agree with Clive Barker's take on the project angel. The biggest uh, thing is, is while it looks interesting, it's not pinhead because the whole point is that uh, pinheads victims are bloody, but he isn't. And the lacerations uh, look too random where pinhead is all about precision. Yeah, Mm. I agree. Uh, Though given third billing in the opening credits, Heather Lankenkamp is only on screen in one scene for less than 45 seconds and is hardly recognizable in the aging makeup they put her in. Yeah. I don't even know how much makeup they put on her. I mean, she's, she looks good for her age, but she's definitely not, you know, 20 anymore. So I don't know. And it's all dark anyway. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Cause she turned off the electricity <clears throat> blink and you miss her. Unfortunately, uh, Mike sort of revealed his feelings on this already. <clears throat> I spent the first 10 minutes of this movie just kind of like that, like you one eye is kind of like what the the what the fuck face. <laughs> um, so my initial interpretation of this movie is you take two cups of seven, mm-hmm. the, and then you take the movie, the movie yeah. yeah, and then you take uh, half a cup of Pinhead. No, seven, the friend from Blossom. Right, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, there's a callback. And uh, then you take in Trent Reznor's leftovers from the uh, Closer video. You take out all the dead monkeys. Right, shake that up, and then you have this. Um, oh, and season season lightly with Saw. You gotta I, yeah. dab us at the end. It, 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 okay, so Baby Huey pooping the latex <laughs> gas mask surgeon. Dude, I thought that creature design was awesome. It, I'm not saying it wasn't awesome, but it was a what-the-fuck moment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my feelings on this are super complicated, partially because I was giving it a wide amount of slack because I knew how far the franchise had fallen and I could see their attempts to right the ship. I could see where they wanted to bring them back to the roots and update it. And there was a lot that was successful about it. I'm still like, I may not decide whether I'm giving a thumbs up or thumbs down until we do the call. Because there are also a lot of problems with this. Yeah, I. So the the dude that they bring in the first time, I okay. So the auditor is auditing him and asking for his sins and typing it out onto paper that kind of looks like it's skin with ink that is being drawn from the body of the person that he's auditing. I was like, that is a cool concept. I'm, yeah. I'm down with that. And he's he's definitely going back to like you've got this pedophile child murderer, right? And they're they're gonna this is how they're gonna introduce us to all their creatures and their process for where Pinhead is now. And I thought that as disturbing and stomach turning as it was, the whole thing had the elements that needed to. It was sexual. It was shocking. It was gross out. But it, it almost felt like it was a little too much as far as like they were trying to be shocking and gross out rather than logical in any kind of way. Mr. Mantit's pagey barf face really kind of threw me. He was very, very good in that role. That that character was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 guy yeah. I think I think that was the point when he came in and started eating the pages and putting and you know what he was 
doing well, just, just, just as, the glee that he had in having a bottle full of baby tears. Yeah, I mean that whole that that was where I burnt my hand. Okay, I, I think I said this in the pre-show, <laughs> but I was watching this movie while I was ironing my shirts for work, and I burnt the shit out of my hand because I wasn't paying attention because I was watching the TV. What with this going on? I was just the whole time I'm just like, what the hell? And I'm I, and it was that day. Him as an actor. Yeah, it yeah. I mean, he was great at it, but at the same time, I'm sitting there, I'm going. It was that day a couple days ago where it was like 85 degrees, so all the doors were open. Now, I was mildly concerned that I would get some sort of random visitor that would walk up to the door and be like, hey, Mike, never mind. I. <laughs> but yeah, that whole opening scene, the first like 10, 15 minutes of this movie were just... Really, really cool, though, I thought. It was cool, but it was very dis- like off-putting. Yeah, I was pretty much in as of the first 15 minutes. Like, I was dreading seeing this because I've been seeing the decline over 10 movies of this. And I did not have high hopes, especially considering how bad uh, 8 and 9 were. Mm -hmm. So I I was not looking forward to this. But uh, once we got through that opening, I was like, okay, this this is something. I don't know if it's good, but it's something. And there's some interesting character design. And I like the scenes I've seen so far. I, I agree with you, I, um, except for the, in the fact that I hadn't seen any of the in-between movies, so all I had to go on was the Hellraiser. And I remember thinking a few months ago when I watched it on Netflix, I was, I was like, man, this would be much better if it had been made now. <laughs> That's weird. Having about really, honestly, no idea that it that it had carried on for ten movies. I mean, because I mean, I didn't care enough about this the franchise to find out. But um, <laughs> so the fact that there, you know, when you know when you said we were doing this show and, and they said there was one made in 2018, I was definitely intrigued. And that first, you know, that first 15 minutes or whatever in that, you know, that that opening scene in the house, it was definitely creepy enough, even though it was a little bit over the top on occasion. But it was definitely creepy enough that I was like, all right. Yeah, I'm with Josh. I was like, I was like, I'll give this a shot. Yeah. And then they get into the police procedural, which is kind of a budget version of uh, seven and also suffers a little bit from having not been the first time they did this, even in Hellraiser. Hellraiser five was very, very similar where you've Mm. got tracking of a serial killer as like the main plot thread. You're talking about the one with Craig Schiffer. I think that's the other one that I've seen. Inferno. Yeah. 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 Craig Schiffer and your close to Turo. And are we, are we, Okay, serious question. Are we calling spoilers on this? No. 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 It's direct-to-video, so I don't think we need to do that. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I've talked before about how in when I'm watching any kind of, like, whodunit or any kind of mystery or any kind of thriller or whatever, I try to shut my brain off and just enjoy the ride and not figure it out. I mean, it was, like, the first car ride between those two, and I'm like, I'm like yeah, that, guy, that guy's the killer. I still kind of enjoyed his performance, mostly like until we get to the third act, uh, I, I found his character interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't mind the performances in general, like Randy Wayne as his brother was nothing special. He was just kind of a stuffed shirt, pretty boy. That's Randy Wayne. But like in general, like I, I liked Edgerton. I liked Sean. Uh, I thought the new pinhead was fine. And I thought the auditor was really cool. And most of the new, discernible creatures had really interesting design. Like I, even though the whole police procedural serial killer thing felt like a tired retread, I was still pretty okay. I, I enjoyed myself until we get to a certain point. Well, and um, I think I came into this with the bad taste of part five in my mouth still. And that was, I saw that shortly after it came out. So that's been a while. 
but um, hearing you guys talk about it and kind of looking at it from your perspective, I agree that the auditor was a cool character and I think on his own would make an interesting side story. Um, I thought pinhead, the new, the new guy playing him did a much better job of being Doug Bradley. Um, but it felt like at a, a, an hour and 20 minutes, probably for budgetary reasons, or maybe just because Gary J. Tonicliffe doesn't know how to write a full length script yet. It suffered because it just felt like it was shoved into too small of a space. Well, and I think definitely the ending, the wheels fall off as soon as you've got the big reveal of who the killer is. They just completely fall off the movie and it's like, fuck, we got to end this. Let's just throw a bunch of weird shit. Well, and the the, the woman in white that, again, I... I Jophiel? Yeah, the, I don't think we're, like I said, we're not calling spoilers. Um, <clears throat> that whole thing felt kind of like, okay, the story's ended. We've We've wrapped up all the plot lines. Now we got to set it up for a sequel. Right. And it was like, I didn't care much for the movie Legion and it felt like, okay, now we're cribbing from an already not so great movie. It, it, it felt tacked on. Yeah. And the whole like, okay, now we're going to introduce angels and God into this. And I don't know. It's just, well, well Jesus I swept line again. Yeah. I think they, du- they dug themselves a hole. Is like they they wanted to create this great um, lore and legendary background to all these characters, but they were so involved with the procedural cop drama that they didn't have time to. I was expecting. I I mean I know like I had said before is that Pinhead is not the main character of these movies. It's like like we said he's always on the on the back corner, what, waiting for his moment to step in. But, but it seems like he got even more involved in the bureaucracy of of the demon side of life. Right. I mean, he's. They, I mean, the first couple times you see Pinhead, he's just kind of like sitting in a chair. He's at his desk. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, what do you What do you got? Checking, checking the TPS reports. I know. He's got. I got to finish these TPS reports before we. Somebody's having a case of the Mondays. In the torture, pain, and suffering reports. Yeah. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> I read a review that talks about how much they got right and how much they got wrong and how desperately it tries and almost succeeds in breaking even the good about this and the bad about this. And I I tend to agree with that reviewer's estimate that it was just like so close to being good enough to say, eh, it's pretty much a wash. I almost feel like if they would have rearranged the story, it would have worked better. So start the story with the serial killer, the procedural cop stuff lead up to the kind of, uh, reveal showdown at the end, take that into the house where they're taking the report. They show that whole thing. And then if they want to tack on Blondie at the end, whatever, but you know, it's, it's, it felt like they were trying to set up a new world, yeah, and it felt disjointed. The Jophiel and the Angels shit uh, definitely was like this comes from another movie. It's out of nowhere. Ugh. Did did not care for it. Yeah, it 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 seemed almost that with the whole like different of uh, of casts or groups in hell that are jockeying for these souls. It almost seemed like they pulled it straight out of like a Hellblazer. Um, John Constantine type uh, background. Right. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like when the next one comes out, I definitely think if it wasn't for how far the series had fallen from being anything even remotely watchable, this one would have been a solid thumbs down. Like I wasn't aware of how bad it used to be without that point of comparison. This would have been a solid thumbs down for me, but I am very conflicted because it came so much better to be like closer to being okay. Well, and just the auditor alone is is a cool enough character in and of himself that it provides some you know some credence to the whole thing as being almost decent because that one because of that character alone, in my I opinion. They, I thought they should have done so much more with the Jofiel character. Like as soon as they introduced mm-hmm. her, you know, it seemed like such a huge big deal and everything, and, and they did a good job of building it up. And like suddenly, it's just like strangely, this beautiful blonde woman in the middle of all of this. And she apparently is above all of them. And then suddenly at the end of the movie, nope, she's just like anybody else. They can torture and kill her and fuck her up just like they want. You know, I thought like, you know, the second that they tried to attack her, she should have just been like, you know, no, and just bitch slapped them all or something. <laughs> that I was or disappeared or left. Yeah, or, or something, anything. Yeah, but I mean, just the fact that she's just like any human that they could just, you know, torture, pull apart and make part of their, you know, it's like, well, then what was the point of that, that you know, that character? I agree with you because especially when they give the the uh, when the auditor is like she's the one that they that kicked him out of the garden. Okay, you're the one who threw Adam and Eve out of the garden. You're just gonna take this shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you're supposed to be like probably the, the new second in command since Lucifer's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And then and, yeah. and you're just gonna get treated like you know fucking Frank from the, from the first Hellraiser. <laughs> Well, and Pinhead does end up being cast out of hell and forced to uh, resume life as a mortal. Yeah, but I mean that's that 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 reflects more on God or whoever they're trying to say on him <laughs> than it does on the character of Joe Fiel. Right. And again, tacked on. Yeah. Mm. And, and what do we think about? Because the guy who is playing the reboot Chatterer, he's been playing the Chatterer for a little bit now. Uh, right. The, he chatters. He does his thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's not a whole lot of you know depth to that character. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's not like he had a whole lot of performance. See, he just looks a little different, and he's but been really, doing the big face mask thing. It, it's still hardly even any change. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you're kind of you know you're kind of bound by the mask at that point. There was potential, I think, is kind of where we're we're I think all heading with this is yeah, not good, but there's potential. Mm-hmm. There's lots of aspects in it that were above average. There were a lot that were far below, and it just ended up being kind of muddy because of that. And I think if they take their time and sort things out and do it proper, if obviously they're looking to make an 11th, they could potentially have something interesting. But if they keep going down the same path, it's going to be another hour and 20 minutes of nonsense. I don't know. It was better than five. Let's put it that way. It was yeah, much it was better than cats. I'll watch it again and again. Better than five. Much better than eight and nine. Yeah. Better than Star Crash. Yeah. I'd go so far as to say it was better than three. Better than Sharknado. Oh, hey, watch it now. Sharknado is entertaining, at least. But uh, not as good as uh, four. Not as good as two. Not even in the same weight class as one. I just, if they're going to deviate so far from the original formula... And there's a lot of story that is leading up to this. I don't know. It it feels like it should be a little bit more standalone, maybe. I don't know. Like I missed like I missed all the other parts in between. So I feel like there was other things that happened that 
led up to this that you seem to know about maybe from reading and the ones you've seen uh that if you haven't seen the ones before it it's like a like a soap opera yeah i don't know if well, and there's a lot of lore that's expanded in novellas and comic books and whatnot. Like I said, even though I haven't consumed all the media, I like to do a deep dive into lore when I realize there's a wider world around these interesting-looking characters. Well, and that's, I think, that's what's so frustrating is because there is such a lore behind Pinhead and all the Cenobites, Cenobites, and it is that they could dive so much more into what, where they came from, what they're about, and instead, we get CSI with a touch of hell. John Cena bites. <laughs> I don't see it. Nice. But you're right. I mean, it's kind of like um, uh, the Dark Crystal, where there's this huge world that's been built and this whole storyline that you don't see it because they only give you one part of it and budgetary constraints kind of restrict them from telling the whole story. So they have to do it in graphic novel format. It's the same thing with this. There's this huge world that's been built but we're only seeing like the one little dirty house out in the field that is only a piece of it. Uh, and there's a lot interesting that really is probably going on that like Josh is saying that we're just not seeing. Yeah, I don't know. It's a mess. John Cinnabites, you can't ice me. <clears throat> I'll suplex your soul apart. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> He's had two funnies with the same one. What the heck? Uh Got to beat that joke into the ground, boys. Hey, Joel. Yo. What are we doing next week? Oh, wait, We're wait, not wait, wait. Are we, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I skipped ahead. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, yeah. So Hellraiser 1, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, for me, I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> thumbs up for me. Yep, thumbs up for me. I, I think I'm still going to give it a thumbs up. Um, like I said, I it doesn't do it for me, but I think there's enough there that if it was redone properly, it could be a hell of a, a good story. And I, I, I mean, I would have to say a thumbs up because it's definitely not a thumbs down. So it's just not an enthusiastic thumbs up. But I've seen it so many times that I have to like it. So like, <laughs> yeah, you're not the kind to submit yourself to six viewings. Exactly. You, you know? don't have something there that you enjoyed. So it has to be a thumbs up. Otherwise, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> we ask that all the time. Right. So uh, Hellraiser Judgment. Time to pass judgment. Can, can we thumbs up the first half and thumbs down the second half? I, that, that's what I feel. I think overall the final analysis is it just barely is over the line into thumbs down. But it was so close. Yeah, it started off with so much potential and promise. Uh, I'm going to give a thumbs up to the auditor and to Pinhead and give a thumbs down for the muddiness and, of a story. And a thumbs up to Slick. <laughs> Slick wasn't in this movie. Oh. He was in spirit. Oh, dude. He was behind the surgeon's mask. It's like a sideways thumb, I guess. Slick as a surgeon. What? And and the whole saliva pouring down the throat thing. What? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that would that would That, that whole, squicked me out. That yeah. was that was I mean, I was I, like, "Oh, that's I gross." Had to, I had to go I had to go put Listerine in my mouth and shit. I, it really did squeak. When me they out. were pouring that there in the the saliva bubbles coming. It I was like, bothered me until it got chunky, and then I was that like, was it. Now I'm, now I'm bothered. <laughs> Wait, are we <laughs> talking about the girls at the trough? Yeah, yeah about the cleaners. no, 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 like, not oh, yeah, the cleaners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had two sets of naked women: the oh. the faceless ones who were the jury, and then the cleaners. Yeah, the cleaners when they pour, they're all spitting in those little cups, and they pour all that spit down his throat, and he's got the big bubble, and then the chunks start coming. Yeah, yeah I was, I was. Gah. I mean, not a whole lot of things like, like, can squick me out like that, but that one got me. I don't know why, but. It, I don't know. The jury bothered me a bit. Why? What was it? Was them putting their Playing fingers in the, in the vomit or getting blasted with the blood? The, not the blood. The blood doesn't bother me. It's where they're sitting at the trough and they're 
finger in the vomit guilty you know i'm like because they put it like up to their mouth and stuff you don't see that part but i'm just like yeah i don't know yeah tastes guilty to me (laughs) right Mm. so so next week joel let's i gotta get that (laughs) shit out of my head now uh next week we all go crazy sometimes we're doing uh, the 1973 west craven crazies and the 2010 uh reboot remake reimagining so yeah, so if you're looking for our, our ah, I got you, Josh. Uh, if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and now iHeartRadio. Find us on Podchaser. Leave us a review. Yeah, and if you want to give us your thoughts on any of these horror classics, uh, any of the ten Hellraiser movies, or your thoughts on the crazies, you can always give us a call at seven zero eight now wrap. That's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Yeah. And uh, let us know if you've ever been forced to swallow a beaker full of warm phlegm. (laughs) 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 It was so... I mean, for... Okay. The guy who crawled out of the baby's back was messed up. The tears thing was messed up. All that was kind of messed up. But that probably... The the dog in the the stomach was messed up. That was messed up. But I swear that that scene, that one moment, that was, was like the most realistic. Like, like you, I mean, that's something you could actually kind of you could taste that in your mouth. Oh, like, oh don't I'm say taste it. it. Oh man, it's salty. Oh, it, it tastes like demon. <sighs> My mouth tastes like burning. Right. Shoe fly shoe. <laughs> tastes like grandma's colostomy bag. Ew. All right, we're done. Goodbye. You killed it, Joel. The joke is over. You know what a Mandalorian is, right, Pat? You were joking, right? Pat? What? Right? You know what a Mandalorian <laughs> is, right, Pat? Isn't no. that what uh, um, Boba Fett's armor is made of? Yes. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>